Hello and welcome to another episode of Solo BG Podcast. My name is Derek and this is episode number 64 and we are getting closer little by little to episode number 100 which for sure we will have to do something unique and epic. Why not? Just like we do with every special numbers like we were doing from episode 50, episode 60 and so forth. Of course, we will try to get some uh, very unique guests for when the time comes and that way we can have a special episode. As far as today, as a reality, today is May 23 of 2020 or 23rd, I guess. I don't know. Once again, English is not my primary and we're trying to do our best. And we are still, unfortunately, under this uh, COVID-19 or coronavirus situation around the world, uh, which is still making, you know, a little bit of a struggle in us, uh, especially for those of you or including myself that we are in uh, places that we had to stay at home, like self-quarantine. And even if myself, I'm still going to work every day because I work in a hospital, um, we, um, you know, still still the world feels different, right? But I'm pretty sure we're going to get through all this together. Uh, so please, please just be patient, keep playing games. And at some point, I th- I'm pretty sure and I'm pretty confident and I hope that every everything will make a big, big turn and we will be back to our normal our routines and be able to hang out with friends and going back to conventions because actually this last week, it was a very uh, unique week for us as a gamers, as a part of this hobby, with the cancellation uh, or postpone uh, date of Essen on Germany, which now is not going to happen, of course, this 2020. It's going to happen now until next year, 2021. We'll see how we are over there. And also Gen Con, which is the my favorite convention of every convention, which has happened here in in the city in Indianapolis, Indiana, which is where is where I'm home based and where I record the episode. Um, you know, we got the news as well early this week that Gen Con wasn't going to happen due to COVID nineteen situation. So uh, I guess you know my gamer side feel a little bit down because I was really looking forward to it. We actually had the press pass, which I'm pretty sure we will keep for next year. Uh, but at the same time, uh, you know, the human side of Derek, I guess, and the common sense, uh, it was we, we could see that happening weeks ago or months ago. It, it was it was the right call. Uh, a lot of publishers, they already made their statements, a lot of designers as well. And it was the right call, in my opinion, I guess. Now is a statement from Solo BG Podcast that, you know, the important thing right now is to keep everybody safe, to keep us safe. And still, you know, complying with uh, our protocols and procedures and guidelines that uh, you uh, that the your government or wherever you are, or the world health government or however you want to call it, uh, you know, follow those guidelines and procedures in the way we can all be safe. But this podcast is about gaming. This podcast it's about something fun, something positive, and let's start with it because today episode we're gonna talk, as you read on the title, about a game. That you know, I was, I wasn't looking to it honestly too much. I was excited about the game when I when I start to to saw it when it got released on the stores. But I got the opportunity to get a copy on my hands and I played it. And now I have my thoughts. And I'm talking about a, it's a wonderful world. Um, this is episode number sixty four again of Solo BG podcast. And like always, let's start right now in three, two, one. Welcome to Solo BG, your podcast for solo and cooperative board games. Here you will find everything you need to know about your favorite and most recent games. Art, rules, gameplays and interviews. Here is your host, Derek Rodriguez. Okay, so now we are officially, officially in episode number 64, and we're going to talk about It's a Wonderful World. It's a Wonderful World is published by Lucky Dog Games, at least uh, here in in US or the American version, by Ori Games as, as well. And by, I hope, I hope I pronounce closely because I don't know anything about French, but it would be like La Vote of the Jew. Uh, I guess La Boite de Jew, I don't know. Um, I guess it translates, I mean, with my Spanish, I would assume to 
the the box of of, of games or the bottle of games, something like that. Well, the logo has a little box. Anyway, uh, that's the, the original publisher, I believe. And it's designed by Frederick Gerard and Anthony Wolf. The illustrations are by Anthony Wolf. And we're going to talk about the game in more deep. But of course, like always, I like to share with you what I've been playing recently, right? Because... You know, uh, it's been more than a week, actually, since we released our last episode, which was number 63, Star Wars The Outer Rim, which once you finish listening to this one, going back and listen to that one. And if you already listened to that one, well, thank you so much, because that tells me that you've been following the podcast, which I really appreciated. Uh, by the way, I want to say a big hi and a big thanks to my friends from Gambling Games, because they uh, send us a few tiny epic games. They send us Tiny Epic Defenders with the Dark War expansion and Tiny Epic Kingdoms. And they also send us a pretty, pretty, pretty nice mat for uh, Tiny Epic Defenders. You can see the pictures on our Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at SoloBG Podcast. Uh, it's a fully well uh, tiny epic defenders so far the one that I've been playing and you will you will you will hear it when I mention the games that I've been playing. Uh, it's a fully 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 cooperative and fully 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 solo soloable I guess soloable ish game that you can play. Um, and actually the episode is coming very soon with my friend Sam Ajo because if you remember uh, around episode forty ish fifty ish uh, we he, we had a, a our tiny epic. Around one episode with my friend Sam Ajo. Sam Ajo works in the marketing side of uh, of gambling games, and we had an episode where we talk about Tiny Epic Mechs, Tiny Epic Tactics, and Tiny Epic Galaxies. Uh, so that was around one. Now in the round two, we're gonna talk, of course, about Tiny Epic Defenders, Tiny Epic Dark War Defenders or Defenders Dark War expansion, and Tiny Epic Kingdom. So stay tuned, and you know that's how we're gonna do it. And then we're gonna get round three of, of Tiny Epics, where of course we're gonna talk. Also about the the newest one, which by the way, by the way, before I forget, right now on Kickstarter, on Kickstarter, it's an Insta back. It's an Insta back approved by Solo BG Podcast, and I'm talking about Tiny Epic Pirates. Tiny Epic Pirates. Uh, I'm already back the whole thing, the deluxe uh, version, and I highly recommend it because it seems like a lot of fun. Anyway, if you want to know more about that, we will probably spoil you a little bit on the next episode we will have a well it's i don't know if it's going to be the next episode but a very soon episode which is going to be tiny epic uh games round two so stay tuned for that so anyway now let's uh now that i say hi to my friends from gambling games let's jump into the list of games that i've been playing recently well most recently actually last night i played a game with my wife that is one of my is becoming a little bit of one of my favorite kind of competitive-ish will be area control game and I'm talking about a game from Simon Games or Kumini or not called Council of Four which is designed by Daniel Tassini um, and who was the other designer actually I don't remember but you know what I have the, the game just here in front of me on my shelves so let's see the game is designed by Daniel Tassini Daniel Tassini and Simon Luciani uh, and it's Council of Four once again by Simon Games and I'm moving the box here and probably you hear that because I just took it away from the shelf. I've been playing that. It's a very, very fun game, a very uh, unique, because it has a cer certain, you know, mechanic, of course, of area control, when you're trying to convince the council for of every region for you to play merchants in each city. Now, once you have, once you place a merchant in a city on a region, you get that ability. But then next time, if you place a merchant, if you have, if you happen to manage yourself, because I don't want to spoil you too much about how he plays everything, little bit detail, because I, I'm planning to do an episode about it because I really enjoying the game. Um, anyway, if you get a permatile, let's say, and you get you get the opportunity to place a merchant in the neighbor a city or a connected city from the same region where you already previously put one, well, now you're going to get the ability of the city that you place in the merchant plus every city that is connected to that city where you have a merchant. So at some point down the road in the game, you will get some crazy combos of victory point, money, uh, workers, and stuff. So it's a very nice kind of a worker placement area control game. Um, you know, it has another mechanics that are very interesting with the, like the novelty track that I'm going to talk once again, once we play, uh, we, we take an episode about the game, but that was console four. I've been playing with my wife and I also played it last week with my friends, uh, Caleb and Jonathan in our weekly game night, which are, we having a weekly game night, by the way, but with all the, <laughs> all the recommendations, you know, trying to be safe, trying to, 
to have a very good hand hygiene and stuff like that. So anyway, um, also I've been playing on Earth again, on Earth with the expansion of the Lost Tribe. On Earth, um, you know, on Earth is published by Brotherwise Games, which are the same publishers I already mentioned it before from our Call to Adventure and the most famous boss monster. And on Earth, it's a very apostle game at the same time, but the solo version with expansion of the Lost Tribe is very unique and is worth talking about it. I just want to mention right now that I've been playing the game, and that's another game that is that is very, very, very close to be at the table of Solo BG Podcast for recording an episode. So I'm looking forward to talk about on Earth. So just so you know, I've been playing that as well. I've been playing, of course, the game that we're going to talk about today or tonight or this evening, which is It's a Wonderful World. I also played Arkham Horror, the card game, the LCG by Fantasy Flight Game. We already have an episode about the game. It was one of the first one. I I, want to say that it was on the first 20. So you can go and check it out because those episodes from episode one, which was probably (laughs) one of the most low quality ones, uh, to episode 64, which is this one, all of them, you can find them in uh, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon Music, iVox, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, So anyway, I played... I went back because, honestly, it was a while since I played Arkham Horror the last time, so I wanted to refresh myself. And we played, my wife and I together, the Night, uh, to the Night of the Sealot campaign, which is the first campaign on the box. Uh, I was playing with, actually, I got the uh, Path to Carcass expansion, and I had William Jorick, and um, I guess, I think my, my, wife, my wife was playing with Mark, which is one of the soldiers' characters as well. Anyway, we played the campaign. Uh, we had fun, you know, if you're uh, related to uh, Arkham Horror, the card game, which is basically a deck building game uh, where you and, uh, you know, drawing cards and it goes like every other Cthulhu or HP Lovecrafting game. It has a mythos phase when you draw an encounter deck, one card from the encounter deck and you will face it. It could be a monster, or an enemy, a treachery, whatever. I don't know, many, many things. Um, and then you will be trying to investigate different locations to advance in your own act uh, deck. And it's also the agenda deck, which is the, the bad guys, right, deck. And they'll be placing every turn doom tokens there in that way they can try to trigger the, the end of their agenda and advance to the next one and so forth. And it's pretty much a racing to see either if the game, which are the bad guys or the heroes, which is, of course, us, who tries to finish the game first or the agenda or the agenda deck uh, or the act deck first in that way you c- get more positive uh, benefits and the story goes in a certain way towards the next a scenario. The thing with Arkham Horror, I mean, I still think that it's a very, very, very good game. I give it a solid 4 out of 5 uh, from for our Solo BG podcast rating. But the only thing is that uh, one of the things that I really enjoy is that that's a tense moment before you draw a card from the encounter deck that it can really mess it up for the rest of the scenario. So that moment, I really I really enjoy it. Uh, one thing that I don't like from, from the Arkham Horror, particularly the LCG, is that you literally, literally, and I prove it, you had to buy at least two boxes from the core set uh, and also a few expansions at least to try to get a decent a decent deck for your characters. I mean, if you're going to play with Roland Banks and Wendy Adams, I think it's called, the one from the main box and use the the preset decks that they give you, yes, that will be fine for a Night of Sealer, then you will probably, will, it won't be so bad. But if you want to play with different characters, then you definitely had to have another box, another core set, and some expansions in order to be able to manage your deck somehow, uh, balance and good, and that way you, your deck will be something like, okay, I'm good in uh, investigating and also sort of good in fighting, and then the other player will be very good at, our, uh, you know, in agility, trying to evade monsters and whatsoever, and also kind of good in, at investigating or so forth. So that's the only thing. Versus, for example, Marvel Champions LCG, which once again I'm looking forward to talk about it. Um, that's a very straightforward, very rock and roll, you know. I mean, it's there's you have the deck of the hero and that's it. Uh, you you can manage it well. I mean, you don't need that part of like, okay, I need to buy two boxes or I need to buy two expansions. No, I mean, you have, you know, what you need. So that's, I think, that's a big plus for Marvel. Plus the theme, I mean, is very different, right? So anyway, I've been playing Arkham Horror, the card game. I just want to mention it. I also play another game actually by Simon Games, which is, uh, I think, designed by Eric Lang and Antoine Bausa. And it's called um, Victorian Masterminds. Victorian Masterminds, it's a very unique game that I played before. It wasn't my first time, but this is the first time that I tried two players with my wife. 
and uh, you know you have like a set of chips, and you're placing chips on top of another and resolving uh, and count resolving the chips in order on certain locations that you go. And basically, the idea of Victorian Masterminds is to build. Uh, you will have your blueprint of a machine that you're trying to build because you're a Victorian Mastermind, right? And um, you're trying to build that machine. It could be something like a submarine or or a, some something some sort of a plane or something. So every time that you add pieces to your blueprint. Uh, or building pieces on the blueprint, you get certain abilities, certain bonuses, and things like that. And you're also capturing buildings around the cities. Uh, so that's what it is. Basically, Victorian Mastermind. It also has a, tra a track on a clock uh, that the, I guess you will call it the CIA on the the inner pool or whoever is the good guys trying to you know catch you, sort of. Um, so you know, it's a very interesting game actually. I I do enjoy it, and uh, I don't think it has solo mode, like not even unofficial solo mode. Because even two players, we had to modify the rules a little bit outside of the rulebook. For instance, uh, when you're playing with a normal game, you will, as soon as you get the third chip in a in a stack from it could be from any player, you flip them and then you start to resolve them. Well, uh, here for two players, we had to modify it for only two chips because otherwise, I mean, we could we could fall into situations that in, the other player wouldn't have any chips, I wouldn't have any chips, and that was it, right? So anyway, so that's Victorian Masterminds. And I'm not talking about a few mechanics. And probably if you haven't played the game, you are a little bit confused on what I'm talking about. But it's basically that with chips, you're trying to trigger abilities instead of cards. It's chips. <laughs> and you're trying to capture buildings and get bonus points and things like that. Um, I'm looking forward to play it again. And, you know, probably we can do an episode about it and talk about Victorian Masterminds. Because once again, I mean, you're talking, you have the big designers there, Eric Lang and Antion Bowser. So... It's like you had to do it. <laughs> anyway, I also been playing Tiny Epic Defenders, which of course those are the ones when I say hi to my friends from Gambling Games. Century Golem Edition, that's another good one that I've been playing and that I've been enjoying. And also Cthulhu Dead May Die by Simon Games, which I'm so looking forward to do an episode about Cthulhu. And the only reason why this episode is not about Cthulhu Dead May Die is because I'm trying to push it a little bit away, push it a little bit away to see if we can make her now <laughs> towards October, uh, which is for the Halloween month. But I don't think I'm going to make it because that game, I will spoil you right now. I need to talk about that game very soon. And I also play After the Virus a few times, which I think I mentioned to you in the last episode about After the Virus. Anyway, now is the time for It's a Wonderful World. And like uh, like I said, it's a, a game designed by Lucky Dog Games, or I mean published by Lucky Dog Games, published by Ori Games and by Le Bois de Jou. I hope I pronounce it correctly once again. And it's a game for one of our players, 45 minutes and 14 year plus. And like always, I have the box here in front of me. Let's go with the box and cover section of the show. Box and cover. Okay, so now we are in the box and cover section of the show. And once again, this is where I describe the portrait to you, the cover of the game, how it looks. And if for me, it will cause a good positive reaction if I'm walking through a store or through a, a, a game club or something and I see this box over there on the shelves. Anyway, it's a wonderful world you have on the cover once again that is designed by Frederick Gerard. The illustrations are by Anthony Wolf and the publishers that we already mentioned. And you have sort of like an agent with a glass of champagne, it seems, on one side, blue skies, very futuristic. But then you have on the other side now, like in a dawn of the day, red color, a general, a female general, that she looks like she's angry, angry, and she wants to fight or something, and a soldier fighting a machine gun, and more like a dystopian, also a kind of futuristic, but more like in a war era, but also more um, like a steampunkish, I guess I will say, the ships. Um, time, I guess. And then on the sides of the game, you have It's a Wonderful World. One character has their own side, so blue side and, and red side, which is pretty cool. And the publishers, and it tells you that it plays one to five players, which is very important for us, one player, of course, 45 minutes and 14 euro plus. And then on the back of the box, what do we have on the backs of the box? On the back, we have Dear Citizens of the Five Empires. Today is a great day as we celebrate the 10th anniversary of the end of the Great Wars. There you go. They're not a war anymore. What a joy to live in a world where each decision of our beloved, wise, and charismatic leaders is motivated by the people's happiness. What a wonderful world of peace and progress we have built. We all know 
we all follow. It's a wonderful world, and it tells you basically the steps of the game that we're going to talk on the mechanic on when we talk about how how the play uh, how the game plays i'm going to tell you more about the mechanics but it tells you basically a brief 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 description of how the game works kind of showing you the setup of the mat which the mat we will talk about it is just one uh, not too big uh, small mad that it looks has a shape of an arrow but also like um, very mechanical and once again it tells you actually that is distributed at least this version because i only have the american version once again um it's distributed in north america by blackrock games and lucky dog games anyway that was the box and cover now let's jump and see what we find inside the box inside the box Okay, so now we are in the inside the box section of the show, where is where I t give you the audio unboxing, the famous audio unboxing by Solo BG Podcast, where is, of course, when we, like we said, we unbox the box and we tell you what we find inside. And I have the box with me. Here is I always, I always look to move the box and the components inside the box <laughs> there you go because we're inside the box let's open this game to see what we find after we shake it a little bit all right here is the first thing that we find is the rule book it's a wonderful world the rules of the game and let's see it's uh, a double-sided full color um page uh, rule book uh very shows you the descriptions very easy of the steps of the game and all the stuff um, and then, oh, very nice, at the back, it says the solo scenarios, and it has, like, a campaign that you can work uh, work your way through, which it will be six scenarios for the solo game. And now, I know there's an expansion that I hope that the expansion gives you more scenarios for solo. Okay, so then we have the board, which is, uh, you know, very solid here. There you go. Uh, mat, uh, cardboard mat, which you're going to assemble. It's a two pieces cardboard mat you're going to assemble, and you will have the middle of the of the board and that's basically what you gonna get also um you are getting a bunch of cards which the cards are good quality actually i always call like very standard quality no this is a very good quality i'm not sure if these are tarot 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 i guess size cards i think they're not they're just a little bit smaller than that but it, on the back you have on the back of the card you have the the same illustration that you have on the box and then each each card on the other side will have illustrations of different stations or building or uh, planes or artifacts that you're trying to build during the game, like have here like polar base and stuff. And also you have, you're gonna get a bunch of cards of those ones because some people they describe this game as a and we're gonna talk about it when we go to our thought section, the Atlantis. You can also build the Atlantis. How cool! Um, some people they describe this game as if uh, terraforming Mars and um, what's the other one? Uh, seven wonders woof which one is the other one right uh had a, a baby and it's a wonderful world so that's how some people describe it then we have three uh pieces of cardboard that i'm playing with them here um one with the face of the guy of the agent that we talk about in blue one with the general on red and one just red where, we, where you're going to put some resources during the game those are cardboard as well that you're going to attach to the main board you're also going to get a score notepad that you can use during the game and the different starting cards for every player like the norm states or the aztec empires you will have different uh, empires that you can start with there's five empires on the base box and each empire will have different abilities to to do different combos during the game also you got a very nice turn tracker a cardboard turn tracker that is very nice because this is a drafting game uh so it has the the number one of course for turn one and it tells you in which direction you're gonna uh, you know, choose a card and pass to the other player. Then when you go to round two, you flip it, and now it's number two, and it tells you where to go to for the other direction. And, of course, in a two-player game, well, you want to apply that. Uh, <laughs> and then you have also a bunch of tokens for general tokens, one victory point, bunch of round tokens as well for the blue agent for one victory point each, and all the other cube resources, which I always like cube resources. I prefer the acrylic cubes, like the ones that this game include plastic sort of uh, transparent cubes like in different colors than the wooden cubes i do prefer this by far uh so there you go that's what you get a bunch of them you get a blue a, a green a black gray a yellow and red because those are the resources that we're gonna talk during the game actually now this is what you're gonna find inside the box uh now that we talk about it let's jump and see how the game plays in the way everything will more makes it will make more sense 
once we talk about out and we put them together with the components. So let's go. Let's see how this game play. Game play. I see skies of blue and clouds of white. The bright blessed day, the dark sacred night. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world. And I think to myself, what a wonderful world, right? Amazing song, amazing song. And actually, that this, this last week that I was playing the game with my friends, uh, you know, I, I talked about, about this uh, before. When I play a game, I sort of have, well, especially when it's a solo game, I sort of have like my ritual of having my different already playlist on Spotify, not commercial, but on Spotify. Uh, and I always put music on the background of my game room while I'm playing my games. For this game, actually, <laughs> my friend Caleb asked me, hey, so what is the theme of the game? And I just play the same song that you just hear on the background. Uh, and now we were in the mood, right, <laughs> to play this sort of uh, uh, dystopian, futuristic uh, game. Anyway, the game, the game only how it plays. The game lasts four rounds. That's a thing that you're going to hear in my thoughts about the game. It's only four rounds, all right? Uh, and each round compromises, you know, following, the, I mean, some faces. I was going to say like some following faces because I have a book in front of me. But each, each round will have different faces. So, for example, in each round, you will have the draft phase, which at the beginning of the game during the setup, once you place all their resources in their different spaces on the mat, that they have a certain order where we where they go, you're going to shuffle all the cards, all the cards that they give you, and you're going to deal seven cards to each player. So on the first phase, which is the drafting phase, just like in Seven Wonders, you're going to choose one card that you're going to keep. And you're going to place it uh, face down on the table. And then you're going to pass the cards to the other players. Once you pass, once once everybody has passed their cards, all at the same time are going to reveal the card that they choose. And they're just going to play them in a kind of a pseudo play area. Because you haven't, you, you then on future rounds going to decide what to do with that card. You're going to do the same over and over until you ended up with one card and nobody has any more cards on their hands. Then is the planning phase, which is, is the, this is the base uh, idea also of the game. Now, with all the cards that you previously selected from the, uh, from the drafting uh, phase, you're going to select what to do with those cards. For example, anatomically speaking on the cards. On the left side, they will have different colors of resources that they need or that you need to put there in order to build those uh, machine, places, whatever, and put them now in your production line on your play area. But also a lot of cards or most of the cards will have on the right side a type of resource that you can get if you recycle that card, which means basically discarding the card. So that's what you're going to choose now. Do you, you're going to choose from the seven cards that you previously got, which ones are you going to try to build and which ones you're going to recycle them in that way you can get the resource to place on the cards. One very interesting mechanic that it has also, well, that I like, is that uh, as soon as you get a resource, let's say you recycle a, a card for a gray cube, as soon as you get that resource, you had to place it in one of the either the buildings or areas that you're trying to to build, I guess, or cards that you're trying to build, or you can put it in your, on your uh, play area empire card. If you put it on your empire card, you won't be able to then in a future uh, phase be like, oh, you know what? No, I should have put it here. No, that's it. It's like chess, and I love it. So wherever you put the cube, that cube is going to stay there, and that's it. But not everything is lost if you put it on the Empire card, because if you put it on the Empire card, uh, once you get five resources of any kind, you can trade those for a red resource, which is like a wild resource. And that one, you can place it, of course, as any color. Also, some some cards, they're going to require you more powerful cards. They're going to require you some red resource like that. So anyway, the, in this phase, you're going to be choosing, okay, this card, I want to build it because it's going to give me this combo or this uh, benefit later on production phases. Or I'm going to recycle it. Because also the cards on the bottom of each one of them, they will have the benefits that they will give you once you put them on the production line. For example, let me grab one right here. Uh, we have the, um, the polar base. The polar base requires you 
three block cubes and four yellow cubes, which of course they have their resource. Like I think the black is energy or something and the, the yellow is like money. So anyway, once you build that card, then the benefit that is gonna give you in every future production phase is that it's gonna generate three blue cubes for you and also it has a combo, a combo bonus for the end of the game scoring. So that's how you're gonna decide, well, I guess I wanna build this card right now in that way for future production phases, it will give me uh, this type of resources. Anyway, whatever you decide either to, you know, during the production phase, either to uh, build them or put them to build or, um, or, or, or recycle them for research, then you're gonna uh, jump into the production phase. That was the planning phase, the production phase. And now, now you have in the middle a production resolution order, which it will be triggering, triggering the different resources that you can get. So let's say that we're playing a three player games and we go to the production phase and we go in order. First, we start with materials or the gray cubes. And let's say, um, I said I produce in this phase three gray cubes. My friend number two he produced two uh, uh, gray cubes, and my friend number three he produces nothing of gray cubes. Uh, everybody will get the resources that they are producing, but then we're gonna have what is called a supremacy bonus, which is pretty interesting because also a lot of victory points go go. You get a lot of victory points in this way. Whoever got the most resources of each kind will get a bonus token and each resource has a different color bonus token that you will get either a blue or a red which these are represented for the agent that we talk on the illustration or the general that we talk on the illustration as well blue and red so for example for the materials which are the gray whoever get the most on their production phase will get a one victory point token from the blue guy and then we go to energy which is the black cubes all right, so now whoever got the most gets a red token from the general, and then whoever uh, creates uh, produces more science, which are the green cubes, get to choose either one or the other. Then the gold, which is the yellow, uh, whoever get the most uh, yellow ones gets a, a red. I'm sorry, a blue guy. And finally, the exploration, which is the blue, whoever gets the most uh, most blue resources gets a token of the general, which is the red uh, the red lady, right? That we talk on the illustrations. So those are the different. Um, resources that you will get during the game once again materials energy science gold and exploration which basically are just different uh cube colors and once you do the production phase well then we start over again you know by drafting uh getting everybody gets seven cards we draft them around the table and that's it now one very interesting mechanic about the game that i did uh, well, you're gonna hear my thoughts i'm not gonna tell you anything but one very interesting mechanic that it has is the order of production of resources okay let me give you an example. Let's say I'm, and I'm just gonna make it, right? Let's say I have an airplane that I wanna build, that I have on my on my building area. And that airplane, for when it, when I build it, is gonna give me a bonus of two blue uh, on the production on the production cube. That means it will give me two exploration cubes. But in order to build it, I need three materials, three gray cubes. And let's just assume that during the planning phase, I didn't recycle any cards that will give me any any gray cubes. That means I still need a tree to build them. Now we are in the production phase. Let's say that I produce three gray cubes. Then I can place those three gray cubes in that card and then that card automatically goes to my production line or my game on my game area. Now we already produced the gray. We go for the black and then the green and then the yellow and guess what? When we get into the blue time for production, I already have that car on the production line. So that car now is gonna give me those two blue cubes that I needed for something else because I built that car during the production time. So that's a very uh, unique mechanic for the game that once again, I will share with you in the next section, uh, what do I think about that mechanic? So that's that, it's simple. Then we go again, we turn the, the turn order marker and now we go and, and like I said, we get seven cards and we start to select one and pass it to the other one the other uh, in the other direction, the opposite direction. And then we go back to the third round and then the fourth round. And then for the scoring, well, we're going to score all the crazy combos that we did during the game and to get victory points. So we will get our gross victory points, which is the victory points that we have marked in each card. And then combos, like for example, some cards will say, we, uh, we're we going to give you three victory points 
for every green uh, card that you were able to build on the production line. Then you're gonna get those combos and make those points. Then you're gonna get your, then you're gonna get your general victory points, which is are all the general tokens that you were able to gain to gain through in the game, either through supremacy or through cards that you build. And then you're gonna get all the financiers. There, there they is, financiers. <laughs> There's no agents. They're financiers. They're, they're businessmen. All the businessman tokens that you were able to get during the game, you're gonna add them one point for each. And then you're gonna also do combos that some cards are gonna tell you, like for each uh, blue guy or each blue token, you're gonna get a victory point, or each red token, you're gonna get a victory point, and so forth. And that's basically how it's gonna be now. In a two player mode, the draft phase is slightly modified. Instead of dealing seven cards to each player, you're gonna deal 10. In that way, it will kind of replace a little bit of how uh, it's gonna balance the game a little bit versus when you're playing with three or more. Um, the draft itself is go in a usual fashion, but when you have three cards left in hand, discard these cards. Um, you do not get any recycle bonus or things like that. Before continuing to construction phase, um, just as in a normal game, you each end draft with seven cards, um, with seven development cards in your draft area. So basically, that's, gonna that's what it's giving you. It's giving you more options to get more cards in a two-player game. But at the end, when you have three, you discard them. You don't get any bonus, and that way you end also with um, with seven games. Now the solo mode, because he has a solo mode, uh, the setup and all the phases are modified. It changed. It changed. So, you know, instead of having, uh, you know, like drafting and all this stuff, we're going to shuffle the development cards and form eight, five, eight phase down mini decks of five cards each. And those are going to be the development pools that's going to form a deck for the rest of the development uh, game, the development cards phase, I guess. And then since we're playing only wild player on the draft phase, we're just going to skip this phase and move to the planning phase. Okay. And we play. Two consecutive, two consecutive sequence of each planning phase to, uh, to, to give us a total of eight during the game. For each sequence, we're just going to take five random card development from the pool to our hand. Because remember, we have five decks, uh, eight decks of five. And we're going to look at this card. We can either um, play some for the construction error area, recycle, just like we talked before, but also a very interesting action on the solo mode that it will let you to discard any two cards from your hand to draw five development cards from the deck, keeping one, and then discarding the other four. And we can repeat uh, this as often as we like, even discarding a card that, that we just got. And um, this will allow the game, or this will allow us on the solo mode, to go, uh, to go through the whole deck, to explore more cards, to try to get more benefits. And then on the production phase, because we are the only player, of course, the supremacy role is modified. And we can collect only, we collect, collect the supremacy bonus for a resource if you produce at least five of that resource this round and no other rules are changed. So, because otherwise, I mean, you will say like, yeah, I produce one, great. Hey, I get our supremacy bonus. No, you had to produce at least five resource to get that supremacy bonus. And then, and then we compare the score with a chart that is provided on the rule book to see how we did. Either we did, if we did 60 points or minus, we, we are a rookie, a rookie a player. If we did uh, 60 points or more, we are a dictator. 80, 80 points or more, we are emperor. Or 100 or more, we are a living god. I played my first game with a few mistakes and I, I did like 130 points or something. And I was like, dang, I mean, I, <laughs> I did very good. I'm a living god. But hey, I was playing wrong. So then I went back and I got like 40 or 40 or something. <laughs> so I was a rookie on, on my on my real game. Anyway, and then it has solo scenarios. Um, and this will allow us to discover different strategies during the game. In order to win, we have to construct all the required cards on each scenario. And we were uh, compare our score with the required values to determine uh, if we earn a bronze, silver, or a gold medal. Uh, and then we're just gonna follow the rules um, that we already discussed for solo games. And that's how it is. The scenarios that you're getting on the solo mode, on the little campaign here on the base game, you had you get the first one, which is to the center of the earth, and then you get a better world. You get there are among us, back to the future, that one. <laughs> Want to play Back to the Future uh, and the end of times? Money has no smell. 
Of course it does. Anyway, so those are the scenarios that you get for the solo uh, campaign mode. And now that we talk about how the game plays, which once again, very simple. It's basically a drafting game. And then you you decide either if your card, you're going to try to build it or you're going to get the resource of it. And then you're going to get in the production phase, which is getting the resource to build more cards and get victory points and so forth. Now that we talk about how the game plays, let me tell you what I think about the game and if I rather play it solo or competitive. Solo or competitive. Okay, so now we are in my favorite, favorite part of the show where is where I tell you my thoughts on the game and where I tell you if I rather play this game solo or in this case, competitive. It's a wonderful world. It is indeed. Even uh, if we're going through, through some unfortunate situations, it's a game, once again, that it plays one to five players. You have five empires to play with. I've been playing this game solo. I've been playing this game two players. I've been playing this game three players. And I already tried four players, which I'm pretty sure it's, it, it seems that it works very similar from four to five. What do I think about the game? First of all, let's start with the, um, the unique uh, mechanics that I like from the game. One unique mechanic that I like is the production order of the resources. I really love it for the game. Why? Because that not only lets you build uh, the cards from when you're deciding if you want to uh, recycle the card, it also allows to build you the cards from the production phase, of course, which is where you're getting all the resources. But not only that, it also lets you, if you build some cards in the correct time, to get the same, to get those resources in that same phase. So it's very important strategy-wise to try to build those cards in a correct time manner. So that's one mechanic that I do, do love for the game and I really appreciate it on it. The quality of the cards. The cards are very good quality, are very nice. You can shuffle them perfectly, no problems at all, even if I'm a bad shuffler or I don't know how to shuffle properly. Um, you can put a sleep on these ones if you like, but at the same time, those are the cards that if you don't sleep them, I mean, unless you play, I mean, and you know, <laughs> you don't care about the cards and, and you treat them bad, I guess, yes, then you probably want sleeps. But you, otherwise, you won't have any problem because the quality of the cards are very good. The quality of the cardboard on the mat, very very sturdy, very nice. Um, you know, there, once again, we talk about this. There's no wooden cubes. There's plastic cubes, acrylic cubes, different colors that I do appreciate it. The turn order marker, I do like it because if you're like me, sometimes you're like, okay, we're going clockwise, we're going the other way around, where are we going this left, right, whatever, and get confused around the table. Well, the turn order marker does the work for you because basically have some ar arrows there. So it says first turn, you go that direction. So you pass the cards to the other, to that direction, I'm sorry. Then for uh, round number two, you flip that token and it tells you now it goes that direction. So that part, I do like it for drafting games because... Uh, it's very, very, uh, very useful, and I liked it. The time of the game, we I spoke earlier about four rounds only. The time of the game, the box says that it plays 45 minutes, and indeed, indeed, it plays 45 minutes uh, average. Um, the time of the game, it's fantastic. Four rounds, plays very simple. You have that engine builder mechanic where you're trying to get resource to build certain cards, and then... You know, it's it's quick, it's, it's, it's fast. Uh, it gives you that that uh, sensation of you had a good time playing the game, even if it takes to an hour. But I think that's those four rounds uh, uh, time marker. They're very, very, very good for the game. Um, you have, for example, another games that are like Imaginarium, that is an engine builder game as well that I really like. Uh, but it has a problem that it can tend to be a very long game. This one, of course, they're very different. But this one, which since is an engine builder again, um, it feels good, fast. You, I feel like engine builders should stay uh, in the time-wise of an hour or less, kind of. Um, so this game definitely has that a very positive thing. Um, the One of the, the things that is not a negative thing, and once again, because I haven't tried the expansion, is for the solo mode. The solo mode, it's very simple. And I mean, even if you play through the whole campaign, here on the base game, it's only six scenarios. So the negative part on the solo mode is it has nothing to do which is it with even if it's fun or not. Um, I mean, or even if it's hard or not. It's more in the aspect that me personally, I don't usually enjoy the beat your own score games. 
this one with the scenarios that they're giving you there it's it's still a bit your own score but at least they're giving you some kind of narrative and a scenario and what's going on and what you're trying to accomplish and the cards that you need to win so it definitely gives you that impression that oh i'm not playing at my uh, own my beat score game you know i'm trying to play through these scenarios so that's a big plus but the negative for the base game that now i want to get the expansion is that i mean the replayability will be the six scenarios and probably a couple of times for beat your own score if that's your sort of thing um which for me is, is not and then you will be getting eight or nine times out of play for a solo mode right um now if you are a player that you don't you don't mind uh, you know, beat your own score, if, and you were looking for something like Seven Wonders, but solo and without using an app, just like a solo Seven Wonders type board game. Then definitely, this is this is a game. This is a game for you. This is a game that you will love as a solo gamer. Once again, for me, I do like it as a solo game. I do, but. I wish there could be more replayability, at least for me, because once again, not a big fan of beat your own score. I'm looking forward to see on the expansion or the other versions of the game if they give you more official scenarios for the solo game. And if you happen to know if there's fan-made uh, scenarios or or if you happen to conf that you're able to confirm to me that you know the uh, the expansion has more solo scenarios please please do and comment uh on the comment of this post on solo bg podcast on facebook twitter and instagram or you can shoot me an l at email at solo bg podcast at gmail.com and i will make sure that i will mention it on the future episode on the next episode anyway going back we talk about the time we talk about the components we talk about the main board which is pretty small it's just like an arrow like i mentioned we talk about the mechanics of the game Let's go to the phase where I decide, like if we're playing a game, right? The phase where I decide if I rather play this game solo or competitive. Just from the box, just from the box, all right? Not the expansions. I did enjoy the game slightly more competitive, definitely, with, especially with three or more players. Two players, yes, I mean... Honestly, it doesn't change anything because you still get the mechanic of getting 10 cards and, you know, you discard three at the end and that way we can go through the whole deck. But I do feel like these games, just like Seven Wonders, are meant to be for more people. And three, four, five people, they are good. And you will have fun because also it grows with that tense of, okay, now is my turn and I had these five cards remaining. Oh, man, and I need this one, but I also need this one. And then you... You choose one at the end and you're hoping that that card is going to make it around the table and going back to you. But then you see the other player got and just like, oh, man, now you need to change your strategy because now you probably had to recycle that card instead of construct it as you were planning at the beginning. So those sort of things. So I think these games are very good, you know, for three, four, five players, like I mentioned. Now, I know that our, our current circumstances around the world, that that's not going to happen, or at least not very times, not very soon, which I hope I'm wrong. Uh, so with that being said, this game, once again, I like it as slightly more uh, with more people, but I still enjoy it. I still really like it as a solo as a solo game. So with that being said, I mean, it doesn't mean that it's... Um, that it's a bad solo game. It's just that for me, I wish there could be more replayability in the box. But once again, I said, if you're a Seven Wonder fan and you want a game like Seven Wonder-ish type that you want to play it solo or a drafting game that you want to play it solo and you don't want to play it on the app or the or the application, I guess, the game's application, this is it. It's a wonderful world for me. That There's, there's no doubt. I mean... If you ask me, Derek, do you recommend it for a solo gamer? Yes, I do. Because also the price is not that expensive. The retail price of this game is, I believe, $44.99 American dollars. I know it can vary it from region to region. But for the price and what you're getting, you're getting a very, very, very good game for the price. You cannot go wrong with this game. Because, I mean... Like I said, even for now to play it solo, you will have fun. You still will enjoy it. You walk through the scenarios. And even you can do something like, okay, in order to, to complete the full game, I want to win gold on every scenario. And I want to also uh, uh, play the game until I became myself a living god on the score. You can do that. And probably it will give you, I'm pretty sure it will give you more than eight times of play for solo. And then when things go back to normal, then you can bring it to your gaming group and play this game over and over because I'm pretty sure a lot of your friends are going to love it. So uh, the theme on the game, though, I mean, I feel like, honestly, it's very 
sort of an abstract theme. We talked about it before as well. I feel like you can put you can put anything, anything you like. <laughs> it doesn't matter. You can put dogs, you can put cars, you can put Star Wars, you can put Batman, you can, whatever, whatever, whatever. You can make the game work. I mean, it's I mean the the dystopian future and whatever. I mean that's yeah, cool team that they put. The illustrations are very good, by the way. I really like the illustrations on the cards. Um, but I don't think the theme like it's it's a very thematic game. If that makes sense. I mean the theme is cool once again, but I'm pretty sure there's a lot of themes that you can use this game with and not necessarily this anyway this was was it's a wonderful world once again um check it out if you like it i hope this episode helped you to decide either if you want to get the game or you want to try it or what uh and once again i hope you're doing good i hope you keep staying safe and remember that i also if you happen to manage spanish i also have a new podcast in spanish which is solo bg podcast en español And I do that as well in a weekly manner. So far, we have two episodes, which one it was about Chronicles of Crime or Chronicles del Crimen in Spanish, and the other one about Star Wars The Outer Rim or Star Wars El Borde Exterior in Spanish as well. So if you happen you know, to know a little bit of Spanish or you know a lot of Spanish or you listen to this podcast and your primary language, just like me, is Spanish, then check it out. And if not, hey, it's never too, learn to learn. <laughs> it's never too late to learn a new, a new language and why not learning board games as well. So that's fun, right? Because this episode of It's a Wonderful World is going to release Uh, it's going to be released in Spanish as well. So the podcast in Espanol also in every and everywhere the, the podcast can be found. We are there. Uh, with that being said, I don't think I have anything else for this episode other than wish you well, other than, uh, you know, stay stay happy and stay safe. Uh, keep playing games. That's it's wonderful that we have this beautiful hobby for these uh, difficult times. And once again, that you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Uh, at solo bg podcast we start with a tiktok we start with a tiktok everybody's doing tiktok challenges we don't do challenges of dancing or anything like that but we have with our tit with a tiktok profile that you can follow us on tiktok at solo bg podcast as well and i will be publishing videos i don't know showing you my game room and stuff like that some of those videos will be in spanish some of those videos will be in english but there you go at least in that way There's another another media, right? That everybody's going crazy right now. So why not for Solo BG Podcast to jump into it? With that being said, remember that you can also shoot me an email at solobgpodcast at gmail.com. And I hope I we hear each other again on episode number 65 because we will have a very interesting, like always a very interesting and unique one. Once again, this is episode number 64 of Solo BG Podcast. It's a wonderful world. And like always, please remember for victory, go tell your friends. Till next time, see you through the speaker and at the tabletop.